Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus with my brothers and sisters in the Lord here now. And before we open up your word and look at it, we want to ask you to make our hearts and our minds to be right with you, to understand, to grow, and more than that, to apply what your word says in every part of our life, that we might be good ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I know that there's a lot about this season of the year that probably doesn't please you. But Lord, may we take the time in this season of the year to remember who you are, why you came, what you have done, and uh, be reminded once again that there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And I pray we wouldn't be shy. I pray we wouldn't be ashamed. I pray that we would be bold, and I pray that we would be powerful. And I pray that we would also speak in love to people, and that we would point out Jesus, and we would pray for people, and take advantage of the opportunity that we have during this time of the year when families get together. Whenever somebody may ask us a question, something about Jesus, something about Christmas, something about the birth of Christ, I pray, Lord, that we would be able to tell them about the cross and tell them about the resurrection, to tell them that he's coming again. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would empower all of that. And we pray also, Lord, that we would not forget people who are suffering, people who are sick, that we wouldn't forget people who are uh, needy, that we wouldn't forget people who don't have any clue about what this is all about, and some people who, frankly, are selfish in all of this. Help, Father, all of us to have the ability to share Jesus if we're saved and to believe and to trust Jesus for those who are unsaved. And you're the only one that can do anything with all of that because, as Isaiah said, who has believed our report? And it's not really what we report or how we report it or how skilled or how good we are. It's about you revealing yourself. So, Father, please minister to people, minister to the hurting, minister to those who are doing without. And we pray whatever the condition may be, let them see Jesus and let them come to know Jesus and open up doors for us to share Jesus with other people and to truly remember the reason for the season and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for dying for us. Thank you for paying for our sin. Thank you that you finished it. Thank you that you rose from the dead. And thank you, Lord, that you are, as the King, coming again one day. So come quickly, Lord Jesus, is what we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles this morning and... uh, I want to uh, look a little bit more at what we've been looking at in John chapter 4 and uh, make the application, and we'll kind of start with that. What an awesome opportunity that we have at this time of the year to do more than just, you know, spout a few cliches. In our Sunday school lesson in the introduction, I talked about how many times have we heard this, we need to put Christ in Christmas, okay? Let me ask you a question. So what? What does a lost person think about that? Does that mean we just mention Jesus? Or say some people believe in Jesus? Or 2,000 years ago something happened that must have been significant, but I don't really know what it is. Does it mean maybe we need to uh, have Santa Claus uh, bowing before the uh, manger? 
or something like that? Uh, is it that we need to make sure we have a nativity scene somewhere or we need to have something religious, they might say? And uh, none of that is very satisfying. None of that really does any good for anybody because they just don't know what it means. You know, the Apostle Paul said in the 10th chapter of Romans, well, how are they going to call on somebody in which they don't believe? And how are they going to believe in somebody that they've never heard of? And how are they going to hear unless somebody, King James says, preaches, but that word means just a proclaimer. How are they going to believe unless somebody tells them? Let's put it that way. And so the plan of God is, and has always been, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that uh, Jesus told the disciples, And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus himself said when he gave the Great Commission that we are to make disciples of all the nations. That's our job. That's why we're here. Paul put it this way, that we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. We represent Jesus we speak for Jesus while we're here on the earth. And yet sometimes the best we can do is say, He's the reason for the season. Now, you know what that means. I know what that means. I can even say amen to that, can't you? But how many of your family members have no idea what you mean by that? How many people do you go to work with that have no idea what that means? How many people do we have in our neighborhoods that none of this stuff about Jesus and mangers and, um, <clears throat> you know, places like that, none of that makes any sense to them at all. In fact, they'd rather have Frosty and Rudolph and Santa Claus. That's a whole lot more fun, and it makes more sense. If you're going to pretend something, <clears throat> don't just pretend about somebody named Jesus that we don't even know. Go ahead and pretend that there's a Santa Claus in the North Pole making toys, bringing them out with Rudolph and all of those guys and leaving cookies and milk and all of that. I mean, it doesn't take long to say that's a whole lot more fun than what you guys believe and what you all talk about. Well, we're not talking about something that is entertaining. We're not talking about something that is merely fun. We're talking about something that is joyous. We're talking about something that shows the love and the grace and the mercy of God. We're talking about somebody who can actually do something that matters about something we can't help, and that is the issue of our sin. We are sinners. Everybody's a sinner for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. And that means none of us have the uh, qualification to die on the cross and have it matter. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, that cross, it should have been mine. And we sing songs about that. I should have been crucified and those kind of things. Now, the truth of it is, if you had been crucified, you would have died and gone to hell. It would have done nothing for you because you're not qualified. And the great message of Christmas and the incarnation of Christ is that God stepped out of heaven took on flesh for himself so that he was perfectly God and perfectly man and that he lived a life that did not dishonor God or break his law in anything, not even a little bit, 
so that when he died on the cross, God the Father could take the hell that you deserve, pour it on Jesus so that he was wounded for our transgressions, and it's by his stripes that we are healed, and we're like sheep that have gone astray, but God has laid the iniquity of us all on him, and it's Jesus doing everything for us. And if you understood that, you couldn't help but say, Hallelujah, Amen for that, because you would realize in what a terrible predicament you are in, because we're all going to die, and where are you going to go when you die, and what hope do you have? And you'd be singing and saying in your heart, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I mean, it would hit you that it's not about candy, it's not about baking, it's not about dinners, it's not about lights, it's not about trees, it's not even about all of the gifts that we have. It's about Jesus doing for us the greatest gift of all, what we could never do for ourselves, the thing that really matters. I don't know of a parent or even a grandparent that doesn't get somewhat frustrated that when you buy presents for a kid, there's a good chance in any year it's broken, it's out of style, there's something else that has taken its place, and you never can really buy enough or buy the right thing. And what was really a good gift this year, I promise you it won't be that great next year. And uh, in uh, two or three, four, five years, it'll be uh, an idiotic gift, actually. And you always have to find out what's cool, what's uh, in style, what really matters, what do they really want, and you have to fight with that all the time. And then when you think about it, think about God. He gave us the greatest gift of all. He gave us His Son to pay for our sins, and that will never go out of style, that will never be expired, that will never be irrelevant, that will never have to have batteries That'll never have to be replaced with anything else. Once and for all, Christ has paid for our sins. And it doesn't matter if you're dying this year, because some of you might. I might. Who knows? It's not just for the deal is good if you buy within the next five years. Have you ever had one of those things to where you go, oh, I think I've got a coupon for an oil change or something like that. And you look on your phone for your email and you look, oh, there it is. And then you open it up and you find out it expired 10 days before you needed it. It was only good for a certain time. Can you even begin to imagine if you came before the Lord at the time of your death and the Lord said, sorry, that was only good through 2021. It wasn't good after that. That was only good in the first century or something like that. No, it will always be enough. It is always good. It is always sufficient. Jesus has paid it all. He doesn't have to offer anything good again. He doesn't have to sacrifice himself again as anything. Uh, there's nothing else that needs to be done. It is finished once and for all. So when we think about Christmas, do you have a story to tell anybody and if you're saved, yes, you do. You have something that is greater than the greatest gift you could ever purchase. Even if you were a multi-billionaire today, you could never, ever purchase anything more valuable than the story 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why don't we talk about it more? Now, we're not ashamed to watch Christmas movies. You may get uh, your grandkids or anybody else, hey, here's a movie on Hallmark. Now, they've never had a Hallmark picture with a different career for I don't know how long now, except for the LGBT stuff they're putting on it now. That's a little bit different. But we watch those things and we say, oh, wasn't that good? It was a good story. Oh, it makes you feel good. Oh, that's the way it ought to be. I love the movie It's a Wonderful Life. But I will say this, don't get your theology from that because it's wrong as it can be on that. It does tell you how it ought to be and how we ought to treat people, of course. And is that really the best we can do? And when we talk about things, when we tell the stories, what Christmas was like when we were kids and how good it might have been or how rotten it might have been in some cases, is that really the best we can do? And I'm saying we ought to tell family stories and this generation needs to hear about those kind of things. But is that really the best we can do? I want you to think about what it's really all about and what we say we long for, putting Christ in Christmas. Well, the world's not going to do it. Who is going to do that? Well, that's something that only a believer can do. And so we're called upon to be a witness for Christ all year long, obviously. We know that. But why not take advantage of the fact that it might be just a little easier at this time of the year. And yet we kind of follow the world instead of following what God tells us to do. And that's why we need to pray. That's why we need to be available to uh, tell the story. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about going somewhere else into some other passage. But in John chapter 4, verses 39 through 45, I started going, that's what the lady, the woman at the well, that's what she did. And it made an impact on her whole village and her whole city. And it didn't just stop with what she happened to say about the uh, Lord Jesus or anything. It was something that carried on and people went from just trusting what she said to actually trusting what Christ said. And so I want to challenge you during this Christmas season. I don't know what you will be able to do to share Christ and to make an impact. You may be in a situation where you go to a family member's and they have told you, we don't want you talking about any of that. What do you do in that situation? Well, maybe you do something like this. Maybe you ask that cousin or that aunt or uncle or whoever it is that told you not to speak anymore about it. Just ask them, hey, before we eat, would you mind if I prayed? And maybe in your prayer, you thank the Lord for the family, you thank Him for the food, and then you thank Him that Christmas matters because He came to die on a cross for our sins, that He lives and that He is raised from the dead. There are probably very few people that are going to go, Stop! I didn't give you a, the agreement to pray after all of that. But usually when you pray, you can kind of put the gospel in the midst of all of that. Maybe it's the kind of thing to where when you are getting ready to open gifts and uh, you say, could I share a little bit about what Christmas was like 
When I was a kid, I think the family needs to know that. And maybe they go, well, yeah, go, go ahead, Grandma. Well, when I was a kid, we didn't have this and we didn't have this and life was kind of hard. But I'll tell you what made it all worthwhile. We trusted in Jesus. And the greatest gift ever given is not a Tonka truck or a Lego set. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Maybe you could find a way to do that. Or maybe you could ask them, could I read the Christmas story before we open our gifts? And a lot of people, you'd be surprised. They'll go, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. And you can tell them about Jesus and why he came. And we could take advantage of this uh, situation if we would. Now, notice how it worked. And I know it wasn't Christmas. But in John chapter 4, 39 through 35, it, uh, when we look at all of this and we see the telling of the story of Jesus by this Samaritan woman that nobody really wanted to uh, hear from, something really seemed to matter when uh, she began to talk about Jesus. And it reminds me in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. I'll, I'll get to our text in just a moment, sorry. It says, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Well, that's a good question, Paul. How is that going to happen? And he goes on to say, And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, preacher doesn't mean somebody standing behind a pulpit in the church. It's a word that means somebody who will testify. There are a couple of different words that can be used that are translated preacher. And one of them is uh, kind of like the idea of the uh, town crier. Bringing a message from the king into a village and saying, Hear ye, hear ye, uh, this is what the king has to say about whatever the law might be. We are the ones to proclaim this to other people. And we may get upset because they don't seem to believe in the way they act the way that they do then how in the world are they going to be any different if we don't tell them? And why do we keep our mouth shut? Why is it they are so bold to march in the streets about their perversion and we are so shy about just proclaiming the truth? And I'm not saying we need to go march out on the streets and be like them, but I am saying this, we need to speak up when we have the opportunity and to do it in love and to do it in a way that just doesn't just give the lost world something that they, I'm not sure how to do this, but I'll try. Tell them what it really is all about. So now we're at our text in John chapter 4, verse 39. And it tells us this story. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Now look at this. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me uh, all that I ever did. Now look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. What was the point of all of that? Verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. That's amazing. We are thankful for what the woman said, but it's really not about that. It's really about what Jesus has to say and his interference into their life. So it says in verse 42, Then they said to the woman, Boy, this must have been a great blessing. Now we believe not because of what you said, 
For we ourselves have heard him, and now we know that this is indeed the Christ. And notice how they name him the Savior of the world. Not just of Jews, not just of people in Judea, but even Samaritans like them. Now after the two days he departed from there and he went to Galilee. And remember he was on his way to Galilee when he left the Jordan River way back before the woman at the well. And uh, Jesus himself testified that a prophet is without honor in his own country. And uh, then he, why did he bring that up? I'm curious about that. But he goes anyway. You don't get honor going back to your home country. Galilee's his home country. And then he goes there anyway. And look what happens in verse 45. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So I look at all of that and I go, what a great story and how much fruit was born in that situation by the Lord Jesus. Well, all of it by the Lord Jesus. But he even used a Samaritan woman. Now, remember, that Samaritan woman is coming to the well at a weird time because nobody liked her. Nobody trusted her. And the women didn't want to be around her at all. And yet she ends up this reject from uh, the, this society that was there. This reject ends up being the one that shares the gospel and talks about Jesus. You know, some people kind of have the idea, well, I don't know enough to witness. Well, put yourself in her shoes. Well, I don't live the right kind of life. You don't know my past. Well, put yourself in her shoes. And yet she wasn't intimidated <coughs> by that at all. She goes out and she tells them, and it, all it does is stir up their curiosity. They saw her life had been changed. This isn't like her. This is different than her. What in the world is going on? And then they come to Jesus and when they hear what he has to say and they think about all of those things, they believe and they become believers. Then when Jesus goes to a place where he's not being honored, where he normally would be cast out, he says, that doesn't matter. I've got to go in there and I've got to speak to these people that are going to reject me. And uh, even though I won't get the honor, that's not really the point of all of this. The point is, everybody needs to hear the gospel. Now, what if you and I were to think about that? What if we thought in terms of how can I obey God? How can I share the truth? How can I disciple people that uh, you know were saved but they don't know much about it how can I speak to captives who need to be set free how in the world can I be involved in the uh, work of the Lord Jesus Christ and so all of this is pretty intriguing when you uh, think about what is happening and uh, what is going on here because again Paul said the job is to go speak to everybody and uh, tell them the gospel because if you don't tell them about it, how are they going to believe in him because they're not going to believe in the person that they've never heard of. So how many of our neighbors have never heard because we've never spoken? How many 
people are all around the world and they haven't heard because we don't have any missionaries going to those particular places. And how many people are raised in a church background, maybe raised in a Christian family, but they're so rebellious about it, they're assuming that, oh, those kids, they know all of the stuff about it, but those kids have never been to Sunday school. Those kids have never been to Awana. Those kids have never been to anything else like that. And parents just assume that they know the truth, and yet they don't really know the truth. How many cults are going to come along and tell them some lies, and they're going to fall for it because uh, we uh, don't share the gospel in the way that we should share the gospel. So I want you to think about all of that. And I want you to think about how could you use this holiday, this holiday that has ungodliness and greed, this holiday that has a lot of pride. Some people, the only reason they give gifts is because it makes them look good. And it's not really all that much about Jesus, but it's uh, a lot of times simply about us. So let me give you some ideas and some things to think about, and we'll learn from the uh, woman of Samaria, this brand new Christian who is much more enthusiastic than we are, shame on us, and we'll learn a little bit about Jesus as he goes into Galilee knowing that it's not going to be necessarily easy. And some of you are in a situation that is just not easy. You may be married to someone who said, I've heard enough from you. I don't want to hear it anymore. Leave me alone. Now, how are you going to witness to them? And what are you going to do in that situation? Maybe your parents have told you, be quiet. We're tired of hearing about all of this. We know all of that. No more of that. You're a high and mighty goody two-shoes, holier-than-thou type person. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay, Let's think about this. Number one, the story and its impact is actually telling us the meaning about Christ. Because so many people will say, well, I believe in Jesus, and uh, I believe that he was laid in a manger and all of that. So what? Let's move on to the important stuff. Because they don't really get the whole idea about Jesus and about who he is. And so you need to find a way, first of all, to be praying about these people and praying that God would open up a door for you so that you could tell them the truth about what is going on. This woman goes out and she goes, come and see a man. Well, yeah, for a woman who's as immoral as she is, nobody's surprised by that. Of course you found another man. How many of them are you going to find? How many families are you going to ruin? How much immorality is there going to be? But she goes on to say, and this is one who told me everything about myself. Could he be the Christ? I think sometimes we try to complicate things and we ought to just tell people, uh, I'm thankful for Jesus and I'm thankful for what he means at Christmas because I'm a sinner, I needed a savior and God sent his son to be born in Bethlehem, born in a stable, laid in a manger so that he could grow up and die for me and be raised from the dead. Maybe that's all you get to share. Maybe that's as far as it goes. But the Lord can use that because in this story, this woman didn't know a whole lot. She didn't understand just a whole lot. But she knew what she was saying was important and she knew that it needed to be heard 
by people in her town. And so think about that. And think about the times when you bring up Jesus. Do you ever attach meaning to it? Or you do, do you just simply say something like, keep Christ in Christmas, and people go, I'm not really sure what that means, but I'll try. And they'll put something, maybe a nativity scene or something up. When you tell somebody, he's the reason for the season, well, that's cute, and it rhymes. But how many people know exactly what that means? How many people have any idea about that? And I think you'd be surprised how few people do. And so we've got to tell them something more than there's a guy at a well and, uh, you know, he said he had living water or something like that. This woman goes out and boldly proclaims, this is the man who knew everything about me. He's not normal. He's not regular. He's not one of us. Could he be the Christ? And then that started all kinds of of spreading of the story and of the situation, and they came to hear Christ. I would encourage you to ask questions to people and ask them what they know and ask them what they think and ask them for permission to share what you have discovered as the meaning for Jesus to come. Now, the world will say things like, well, when we look at a baby in a manger, we've got to remember the homeless. Well, there's nothing wrong with delivering the homeless, but that's not what the story is all about. Some people will say what we've got to do is we've got to think Mary and Joseph came from Galilee into Bethlehem and there was nothing there for them. We need to think about the immigrants that come into our land and people like that. Well, we should. And we're to treat them the way that they're supposed to be treated. Whether we like it or not, that's not the goal. We are to love them as we love ourselves and we are to witness to them and to share Christ with them. But that's not what the story is all about. Some people will take that and say, well, look at them. They had to travel to Bethlehem because of taxes. We need lower taxes. Well, I would be all for that. I think our government wastes an awful lot of money that they require from us. But is that the point of the story? Is that as far as we go? Is it just simply about giving gifts and obeying tradition or anything? There's got to be more to it than that. And I just want to challenge you to think about that and think that's where people fall short of the glory of God because they may acknowledge Jesus, but they don't know what he's about. They don't know why he came. They don't know the significance of the Christmas story. They need to hear the Christmas story, but they need to know what the meaning might be. And that's one of the reasons that I had us in Sunday school look at Isaiah 53 to make sure you know the meaning of Jesus and his coming. He satisfied the will of the Father through his death, burial, and resurrection. So don't let it fall off there. And a lot of times you walk on Christmas movie or you watch Christmas movies and you hear them mention something about Jesus or angels or something, but they get it all wrong. It's our job to get it right. Number two, think about this. The woman's story intrigues, but it doesn't really bring any faith. Now, you notice that when she goes and she talks to the people about this man who told me everything I'd ever done, and could he be the Christ? Well, that didn't save anybody. And nobody just simply going to the well went there because they were saved. They had to go there to hear the words of Christ. And we forget sometimes that it's not our stories, it's not our movies, it's not our Christmas cards, it's not even our services that are really the big deal. The big deal is this, faith comes by hearing, remember that verse? And hearing by the what? 
Word of God. And yet so many times we leave the Word of God out of our storytelling. We leave the Word of God out of our Christmas cards. We leave the Word of God out of our present opening and all of those things that we do. Take the time to look at the Word of God and to share the Word of God because that's where the meaning is actually found. And so uh, when you look at verses 40 and 41, it says that... uh, so. Then the Samaritan, uh, they came to him, the Samaritans came to him, and they urged him to stay there with them, and he stayed two more days. And what was the purpose of that? Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. And I think that's where we sort of fall apart. As believers, we need to be looking for reasons to share the word of God. Christmas certainly brings up a lot of them, and we need to share it. But it's not just at Christmas. It's every time we go through something. It's every time we see a hurting person. It's every time we see a needy person. It's every time we see a grieving person. It's every time we go through a trial ourselves. We need to find out what the Word of God says and to pardon me, stand on the Word of God in faith and be a testimony to other people and to help them by sharing the word of God with them. Everybody in the church ought to be a student of the Bible. It's not just left up to those who preach and left up to those who teach. It's not just left up to the old. It's not just left up to those who are intellectually more sound. This is something that everybody needs to know. And this is why I'm so glad that we have people that work in our nursery that are rocking babies and they're singing songs about Jesus to them. Isn't that great? And the baby doesn't understand anything about it. But seeds are being planted in their minds and in their hearts. There are people who teach our little kids and our toddlers and our preschoolers and our children. And they come in every week and they tell them something about Jesus and they give them a Bible verse that they can memorize. That's why Awana is so important because little kids are learning the Word of God even if they don't understand it, even if they don't get it. The Word, the Bible says, does not return void. But it is to be planted and it is to be watered and it is to be harvested. And that's the job of everybody in the church And some doors open for you and some doors don't. Some ministries are available to you and some are not. But you are to do it everywhere, all the time, in any situation, wherever God may open up a door for you. And this is all about glorifying the Lord and serving Him and giving out the Word of God because how are they going to believe if they've never heard of him. And how are they going to hear. If nobody makes the proclamation. Unto them. And so you are to be a proclaimer. Of the word of God. And of the Lord of God. And Christmas is a great time to start. Christmas is a great time. To observe other people. As they do it. And to ask them what they do. If you know someone who is like that. And then begin to apply it to your life. To every situation. Thirdly, we notice here that the story is about personal uh, repentance and faith. Personal repentance and faith. It's not enough just for someone to know, yeah, Jesus came, okay, I'm saved. No, that doesn't do it. 
Uh, somebody else says, yeah, I get the story. He was laid in a manger. Wise men eventually came and all of that. That's not enough to save you. The Bible calls us to repent of our sins and put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not something you can force anybody to do. That's not something you can talk anybody into. That's not somebody that you can manipulate or anything like that. That is the work of God. You see, you can witness to people and you can share Jesus with people. And you have to remember that the word of God will not return void, the Bible says. That it will accomplish what it was sent forth. And so we share that scripture and we plant it like seeds upon good ground. And that's what we pray for. Lord, this person that I'm talking to, or even I might say this audience that I'm speaking to this morning. Oh, Father, I pray that the seed of your word falls forth on good ground. Because there are other types of ground where the birds eat it, where the weeds choke it out, or whether the rock in the soil keeps it from ever really growing, but there's also good ground. You need to pray for people that you witness to. You need to pray for people that you share the scripture with. You need to pray that God will bring these things to your mind and to give you the truth of the gospel and not sidetrack you with a bunch of other things or get you to talking about the things that don't matter. And it's not a matter of if I could out-argue the lost person, they'll be saved. Nobody gets saved because they lose an argument. Nobody gets saved because they finally find the answer in all of it. It's because of the truth of the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we want it to fall on good soil. We want to reap the harvest. And some of us are planting seeds. Some of us are watering seeds. And some of us, praise God, get to actually reap the harvest. So you've got to know the Word of God. You've got to be studying the Word of God. You've got to grow in the Word of God. And you also have to share the Word of God because the Word of God transforms lives. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. And yet so many people want to talk about everything but the Bible and then they wonder why they're not effective. Share the Scripture with people. Share the Scripture with lost people. Share the Scripture and trust in its power and understand that it's not your ability to sell them on the Gospel. It's God's power to take the truth of the Word of God and to cause them to grow and to cause them to sprout, to cause them to be watered and to cause the crop to come in for God himself to draw them unto Jesus. And the Samaritans, this wasn't expected. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody had this on their plan. And yet look what happened. Jesus said, I have food that you don't even know about. And that not only blessed Jesus and honored him, but the people himself in that town, the people themselves got to know the Lord and many, many people are being saved. And notice that Jesus is at the center of all of these things. And fourthly, we want to share the gospel of Christ during Christmas because uh, the story has power. And this power that we think about may be in a hard place. Now you notice when you get down to verse 45, Jesus quotes something that has been said before and it's in all of the gospels. A prophet's not without honor except in his own hometown. Okay, so why bother? Uh, we'll get a stranger. We'll get somebody who's not from here. But Jesus didn't do that. He goes into the very hardest of places. 
And you know, sometimes you do too. Because it is easy to share with a stranger. I know that I've been on enough mission trips to notice that sometimes, whether it was back when we went to Venezuela 30 years ago nearly, we went and knocked on doors. Now, we don't do that at home, but we did it in Venezuela because those people would open their doors, they would see us, they would bring out chairs, they would bring out uh, something for us to drink, they would sit around and they were so polite and they were so kind. After uh, that particular trip was over, I sat with Pastor Enrique Montoya and I said, this is so cool. Man, we were able to talk to a lot of people in Guanare and they were all so kind and so nice and they listened and they asked questions. That's just awesome that you can do that because this doesn't work very well in America. And he said to to me, the truth is they don't do that for us. I said, really? They, they were so nice and they were so kind. And he said, only because Americans were on their front porch. And the only thing they were doing is saying, why are these people here from North America? And why are they on our porch? I'm going to find out why they're here and what their motive is for coming down here. And I said, so in other words, we're just a tool that you can use to go door to door to them. He said, yes, because they slammed the door in our faces. They tell us to leave their property. And so what was he doing? He was saying, there's got to be a way to do this and share the word of God. And because of that, people were saved and people joined the uh, first church in Guanare, Venezuela. And uh, little did we know at that time that Venezuela was going to become socialist and communist and, and have such a hard time. But we were a part of building up the church and leading people to faith in Christ. It was a hard place. They knew it was a hard place. And so they invited us to come to try to help them. Now, think about Jesus. He wasn't going to the easy places. He wasn't going to the places where everybody's open and they would say, oh, we're looking for a Messiah, looking for a prophet or anything like that. Jesus would go before religious people like the Pharisees and even like the high priest. Difficult, difficult to witness to people like that. He was a witness in front of Pilate, difficult to witness in front of pagan Romans. But he even went to his own hometown where people would say, what are you talking to me for? I watched you grew up. You used to play with my kids. I know your parents. I know the story that you were born not of Joseph, but only of Mary. I think she was a prostitute. I think she was a fake. I think all of this stuff that is going on is not real. And yet Jesus didn't shy away from that, but he went into the midst of that. So you may be going to a family member's house. It may be the most difficult thing in the world for you to talk to them or to tell them about Jesus. And yet it is a divine appointment and you've got to speak up and you've got to find a way and you've got to prepare yourself in prayer, not leave it to somebody else or just pretend that everything's okay Because everything is not okay. There's a problem there. And these people, people that you love, people that you're related to, have no hope outside of Jesus. And yet we can get involved in everything else they do. But if we leave Jesus out, then what good does it really do? We are to testify of him and we are to bless him and we are to be an advertisement for him. All of that happens just like Jesus did when he went to Galilee, even though they weren't giving him honor, 
that didn't stop him. Even though people were not really interested all that much in what he had to say, and yet there he is, and he is the one that is uh, actually giving them the truth of the gospel. They didn't understand it, and they thought their rituals, they thought their good performance and all of that kind of stuff would uh, take care of everything. And Jesus said, no, it's not really about that. You need a Savior. You need a Savior. And you've got family members that need a Savior, and you've got to tell them about Jesus. You've got to figure out a way. You see, the Jews only knew about the Old Testament. And a guy named Griffith Thomas, who was one of the men, he's out of the Church of England, the Anglican Church, and uh, with their confession of faith, he wrote a lot about it. And he said something about the Old Testament, and this is what the Jews kind of thought. Think about this. The Old Testament is a book of unfulfilled prophecies. See, if everything stops at Malachi, you've got a ton in those Old Testament books that has not yet been fulfilled. It's also filled with inexplicable circumstances. They've got all these things they're supposed to do, all of this blood that's supposed to be shed, all of these rituals there to go through, and nobody knows why. They just do them. And a lot of people are going through a lot of rituals, thinking a lot of things that they don't get and they don't understand. So unfulfilled prophecies and unfulfilled circumstances. And how about this, a third thing, unsatisfied longings you can go through the whole old testament how do i get right with god and there's not a way in there for you you've got to go into the new testament in the new testament the uh, contents focus on jesus christ who fulfills in this life the prophecies who explains in this life what the ceremonies mean they point to jesus and he is the one that fulfills in his resurrection all the longings of our heart. And we've got to see Jesus that way. And we've got to talk to Jesus that way. And we have an assignment. I was thinking this morning before uh, I came here. I was reading and I was praying. And I thought about my high school friend who has ALS. Remember him? I wondered, this might be his last Christmas. This might be the end. And yet his life is filled with praise for Jesus in spite of the ALS. He is still studying the word of God even though he can't use his hands or even his speech or anything like that. But he still looks through the word of God and reads commentaries. He still preaches every time they give him a chance to preach on all of that. And he is still telling his family that he is willing to suffer as he does because Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord of his life, his Redeemer and his Savior, and he goes through ALS for the glory of God. And he looks ahead to death because in death he's going to be freed from this body and he's going to be freed from the disease that he has. And so he looks to death with a smile. I'm going to die for the glory of Jesus. He looks for the second coming of Christ, realizing that Christ, if he came today, would liberate him from that disease and from that body and that he would receive a glorified body. And he thinks ahead and he thinks about the long term and he thinks about the gospel. And what that does is takes a person who is suffering so greatly and terminal about all of this 
and gives him an audience like he has never had before. Because all of the people that ignored him before, they're listening to him now. Even some of our high school friends on Facebook pay attention and they listen to him as he preached because he is showing the glory of Jesus Christ in all of this. And so during this time of Christmas, don't just fit in, don't just follow the trends, but think about this as an assignment. You have an assignment and you have an opening door that has much more to do with uh, Christ than it does Santa or Rudolph or the elves or any of that. And yet so much of what we do, it seems like we have all of these things, the lights and the presents and all of these other people in here. And then every once in a while we sneak in a little bit of Jesus. No, turn that around. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Invite people to church. Invite people to our, our uh, new uh, Christmas Eve ceremony. And uh, write a note with a scripture card in the uh, cards that you send out. Maybe there's a verse that you want to use. Maybe there's some kind of a, um, uh, I don't know, a post you want to make in maybe Facebook or Instagram or whatever you use. But think about Jesus in everything that you do. Remember that the word will not return void and take advantage of this because people are at least aware of him. And if you've never trusted him today, will you trust him today? Because he gives the gift that will never wear out. He gives the gift of eternal life and a right relationship with God. It never expires. It's never out of date. It's never anything that is obsolete. obsolete. It is always up to date. It lasts for eternity. And it's given freely to all of those who will trust in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection as the full payment for sins. Can it possibly get any better than that? And I'll just say, no. That's the greatest gift of all. Share it with somebody else during this Christmas season and indeed all year long. That is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, as we think about gifts, we think about what we can purchase, what we can buy, what we can give, the smile that we can put on other people's faces. And yet we realize they only last so long. They only last to a certain degree. And they grow out of style and kids outgrow them and they wear out and they fall apart. But we realize that in what you give for us through the death of Christ, it is never going to go astray. It is never going to wear out. It will never be obsolete. It will always be based upon the words that Jesus said, it is finished. And we know that when he said that, he means forever. So we want to say thank you for that gift. Now help us to share that with other people and help us to take advantage of this season of the year to talk to people about Christ, who he really is, and let us not just be complacent about it or get caught up in all of the worldly temporary stuff. Let us see all of this as a grand opportunity in your eternal plan to fulfill your will and to bless other people. And we pray that people would be saved through all of this. And we pray that we would all have a passionate heart about witnessing for Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.